When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. So, my story happened in the early morning of June 29th, 2016. Oddly enough, just a couple weeks after I had visited Roswell, New Mexico, of all places. And I was asleep in my bed on a ground... I live in a ground floor apartment. And uh, I woke up to hearing my bulldog growling from the living room he was uh, sleeping on the couch and at first I thought that he was growling at my neighbor who worked nights at the time and I thought maybe he was coming home but he knows that neighbor very well and I thought it was odd that he'd be growling uh, but I could tell as I sat there for about 30 seconds listening to his growl get louder that he was about to start barking loudly and it was four o'clock in the morning so um i was about to get out of bed and then my other dog who was sleeping with me a terrier she started barking and shot out into the living room so i stumbled out of bed i was trying to round them up and as i rounded the corner from my hallway into the living room uh, I was staring at my window that looks out onto a sort of front porch area. It's actually kind of a... Uh, my building, there's a driveway that runs up along uh, the side. So the, that window looks out onto the driveway. And there were lights from the building. Uh, and the little... Um, I, I don't know what you'd call a little patch of grass alcove where the trees are planted. There's lights projected up from the ground onto my window and my curtains were drawn and I could see that there was immediately there was a figure at the window I could see its silhouette projected from the uh, gardening lights whatever you want to call those up to the um, to my window but what was curious about it was instead of it being the silhouette of a, of a human being this uh, thing ha was the shadow I saw was a long skinny neck and a rounded head with a pointy chin I couldn't see any details because the curtains were drawn my dogs are going apeshit barking at this uh, figure and it was so on the nose that at first I was like well that looks like an alien it was like a classic gray Silhouette, something that looked straight out of Close Encounters. 
And as I had that thought, this figure turned its head to its left, to my right, and I could see the head and neck sort of undulate, and I could see where the neck was fused at the um, the back of the head, and it looked like a golf wedge almost, except not... It was like a golf club. Um, it was actually the best way to describe it, but like a f- flatter. Um, like, you know how in E.T., like, the long neck connects to the back of the head? Um, imagine that, but the head is much, you know, shorter. Um, or not as not as long, I should say. And, uh, you know, it's like a classic, again, like a classic gray alien. And when I saw that... I went, holy shit. And, uh, you know, looking back, I should have steeled myself. But again, you have to remember the dogs are going crazy. It's four o'clock in the morning. I turned on the lights in my hallway and this thing ran away from my window towards the back of the building. So I walked out into my front patio that overlooks the same kind of area and I looked down to my left, I couldn't see anything. And at that point, my next door neighbor, the one that I thought was originally coming home, he walked out onto his porch and he asked me what was going on. And I didn't want to use the word alien. So I said, <laughs> something, somebody was just looking in my window. And he said, oh my gosh, that's so uh, weird because I've been home for an hour watching uh netflix on my laptop in my bedroom and i kept taking my headphones off because i could have sworn something was in my apartment watching me so we walked around the um the property couldn't find anything um that window is about the window sill is about three and a half four feet maybe off the uh, the ground I should have measured it I could still do it I still live in the same building um, but uh, I couldn't see any shoulders or hands it was just a long neck and this head and I had my neighbor kind of humor me and I was like will you stand here while I go inside and take a look at this and he was confused but obliged and um, the silhouette created by my neighbor who is a you know average height male uh looked completely different um uh nothing else happened that night i did not sleep uh i don't know what this thing was there was no other ufo activity that took place like i wasn't experiencing any weird dreams or missing time there were no lights involved nothing of that kind of phenomenon um it was almost as if this whatever this thing was was an entity passing by and i bet because my bulldog snores so loud which is often why he's in the living room i have a feeling this thing was passing through and heard (laughs) my bulldog snoring and was peering into the window to try to figure out what this sleeping creature was inside this uh, apartment. And then at some point in the process, my bulldog woke up, sensed that there was something there and was, you know, he, it must've been standing there for a, a couple minutes because I was listening to my dog growl at this thing for at least 30 seconds before I got out of bed. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know what it is. I can only describe it based on what it looked like to me and what it looked like to me was an alien gray. I almost have an instinct that this was something that was maybe terrestrial or of this world, maybe not necessarily of this dimension. I know that sounds weird, but it almost felt like I'd seen a leprechaun or an elf more than I'd seen a quote-unquote alien. It was something that I was not, that, that was passing by that I was not supposed to see. And that's my story. I hear my bulldog walking up here right now. Thank you, Ryan. In September of 1978, I was a youngish bureaucrat with the state of Michigan and was on a Sunday evening trip along with a workmate headed between Lansing and Kalamazoo, which are both in south-central to western Michigan. We were on I-94, which connects Detroit and Chicago, and about midway there, having passed Battle Creek, headed toward Kalamazoo. As we were traveling west, I noticed that Beyond the eastbound lanes and a line of trees, there were some aerial lights that did not look normal to me, and I asked the driver, driver to, start, uh, to stop the car, which she did. I will always have to think that whatever we were looking at reacted to our stopping. It made an incredibly tight left turn, and now at some perhaps 20 miles an hour and descending, went directly over our car, 200 to 300 feet in the air, still descending over a newly harvested cornfield. There, some couple of hundred feet from us, it made a very tight circle, about a 270 degree turn at what looked to me and struck me as a ballerina's pirouette. It was so tight. This object was in wingspan, something approaching uh, a 747. It was sort of like a boomerang and sort of like a, an isosceles triangle. Uh, it was all black. The rear side of it was a little bit indented, and so from that I understand why some people would call it a boomerang. But to me it was more of a triangle. After doing this 270, it moved at, oh, 50 feet above the ground at virtually jogging speed and stopped over a clump of trees in that field. There it simply levitated. As it was passing over and as we were still looking at it, just a couple hundred feet away over the field, I could see that there was no window, no light, no insignia, simply a black triangular form. I did not hear a thing. I know that others in connection with boomerang sightings have said they heard a light humming sound. I did not. While this was performing this pirouette and moving so slowly, the driver shouted at me to run after it, which sounded immediately like a fine idea. Still kind of looking up, I started to run, forgetting that every interstate has a metal fence, 
and I bounded off this one like a trampoline and landed on my posterior. I immediately started laughing to at myself, thinking, whoever is inside this thing, they're probably thinking, beam us up, Scotty, there's no intelligent life down here. But as I crawled back onto my feet, a queasy feeling came over me that I wasn't supposed to run right up underneath this. I was supposed to just stand here and take it all in, which we did for a couple of more minutes until I noticed tail lights in the distance on a side dirt road on the other side of the field. I felt I need more witnesses and I raced down that newly harvested corn row and caught up with a 40-ish man and his adolescent son who were outside their car and looking at the same thing. As we were trading notes, primarily about the beginning of the sighting for, for me, it began moving ever so slowly, first at just walking speed, then jogging and picking up pace slowly while staying very low to the ground, and in five more minutes, it was gone. I cannot tell you that what I looked at was a military vehicle, a UFO, or anything in between. I just know that it was damn strange to me. I first joined MUFON in April 1978 and immediately set myself up with the Lansing Police, the County Sheriff, the State Police, and airports to receive calls from people who believed they had seen a UFO. The police didn't want these calls and MUFON did, so it was a good marriage. In late September of that year, from the small town west of Lansing where I resided, I received about seven o'clock and the minutes thereafter three calls right in a row by people who said they had seen an odd red light meandering over a river that coursed through Lansing. Well, I went out onto my back property and looked eastward toward Lansing to determine what these people were looking at, either something easily identified or perhaps something more than that. As I was looking and dusk was falling, the stars just starting to pop out, what I thought were two stars suddenly and simultaneously started moving. One went further east and the other approached my little town going west. As it came closer, I could tell this was not just a single red light. It was actually four lights, two red and two green, at opposite corners of a square formation, perhaps 10 feet to a side. And they were blinking, red and green. Now, I didn't know a lot of things, but I did know that FAA rules prohibited any aircraft or helicopter or anything flying from having two green lights. So I opened the back door and shouted into my then wife, I've just got to drive on this one. I hopped into my Mustang, charged out onto the county road heading farther west. By now, these lights still in a square, still blinking, red, green, red, 
I was trying to catch up with them from perhaps a half mile behind, thinking, what if a cop stops you? It's all right, officer, I am chasing a UFO. Well, that wasn't going to work. Several miles farther west, there was a little tiny village set off the road, and as the lights and I chasing them approached this village, they suddenly shot diagonally across the road and over that little one-block business district of the village. As they did, it lit up, and the sky for many thousands of feet above it lit up in white for just a split second, like a flashbulb. And I thought, whoever this is, they just took a picture of this little village? That makes no sense. Well, the lights kept going angularly to the northwest, and I knew the road continued straight west, so I had to get off it. I found a gravel road to the north, and then one to the west, and north, and west. I was losing distance to the lights, which were going, as they say, as the crow flies. Trees were up close to the road. I was flying down rolling gravel roads, hoping that I didn't encounter any car coming the other way. And finally, after a number of minutes, the trees gave way around me. The road straightened out into a large area of farm fields. And there they were. The same red lights in the square, red and green, blinking alternately. They were situated some 50 or 60 yards away from me, hovering perhaps 10 or 15 feet above a field. I pulled off onto a driveway that led way back to a darkened farmhouse, angled my car toward the lights, and all I could think to do initially was to try something like a Morse code, which I didn't know, with my headlights, blinking, 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 and so forth. The, the lights kept going red and green, slowly and hovering above this field. After some five minutes of trying my quote-unquote Morse code, I thought, well, it's time to do what you came here to do. Walk right up underneath them and see what happens. I opened the door of my Mustang. I stood up between the body and the door of the car, and something happened. I went blank in my mind. I don't know for how long, perhaps a minute, perhaps an hour. I just don't know to this day. When I kind of came back into a full awareness again, the lights were no longer in front of me, and I thought, what the hey? And I whirled around instinctively, and now they were behind me in an adjacent farm field, still about 12 or 15 feet above the ground, still blinking in this monotonous red-green fashion. But the thought of walking up to them never occurred to me again, and I got a queasy feeling I'm interrupting something. Whoever is behind these lights, they have some sort of an agenda which I am delaying. So I started my car and I drove away. When I got back home, 
It was now dark. I really did not check a clock to see how long I had been gone. It was longer than I should have been. But I lay down in my lazy boy chair and I just started rocking and thinking, whoever these guys are, they don't need weapons. They just bend your mind a little bit and you do exactly what they want. In my case, it was to drive away. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I have a story for you that um, is actually my daughter's story, and I tried to get her to tell it. She'll do photographs, you know, for her Facebook. So I did manage to get her to do a note about it after she told me. It happened in February. She calls me up. It's around 8 o'clock in the morning, and she's like, I answer the phone. I'm still in the bed, and she's like, Mom, you're not going to believe how insignificant we are. And I was like, what? And she says, you, you just don't even know. You just don't even know. I've been waiting all night to call you. I've not even been to bed. You're not going to believe what I saw. She was, well, actually, if anyone would believe it, it will be you, but you're not going to believe what I saw. And I was like, well, you know, I'm confused. What are you fucking talking about? So um, she tells me that uh, she was going to call me as soon as it happened, but her boyfriend convinced her that it was too late at night not to bother calling me. And, um, she hadn't been able to sleep, so she called me as soon as she just couldn't wait anymore, which was around 8 in the morning. She's a very um, very private person, but this was bigger than her. As she put it, this was bigger than everything that you think you know or anything they'll ever tell you. They being society, churches, everything. So I'm just going to read you the note that she put on her Facebook Last night, while my boyfriend and I were laying on the couch watching TV, he saw a light out of the corner of his eye and told me to look at how low the plane was. When we opened the blinds and got a better look, we realized that it was an irregularly shaped aircraft, so low to the ground it was almost brushing the tops of the trees. There was no sound in the room, and yet we couldn't hear the the aircraft making noise at all. 
It was completely silent and gliding smoothly. It had four lights on the underside in a row, a white, a red, another white, and then a blue. In the front, set apart from the rest, was a bright white light that was bigger than the others. I couldn't make out a body shape. It looked almost like floating lights. Common sense tells me that if there was a body, the bright lights would have illuminated it enough for me to see. I knew immediately what I was looking at. In the instant that I saw it, within two seconds, the lights began cutting off one by one, starting in the front with the bigger, brighter light. The others cut off in the back one by one from left to right. It was over in about 15 seconds. It was massive and hovering directly above the backyard. I was looking up at it, directly under it. It was approximately 30 feet wide and 20 feet long. Now, after she wrote this note, we got to talking about the size comparison, uh, you know, compared to the mobile home she's in, uh, which is surrounded by trees. It's um, in like an, I don't know, it's like a cutout in the woods at the beginning of their neighborhood surrounded by trees there's a water like a water runoff in the back it's swampy behind that tree line in their backyard and it's bigger than what she thought the 30 by 20 it's bigger she realized afterward my boyfriend and I were on edge waiting to see something else when we finally settled back down exactly one hour later we saw another it was going the opposite direction of the first and it was completely different this one made a slight humming noise just hardly loud enough to hear and it had a wingspan like a plane but they were squared as opposed to being aerodynamic four red lights lined the wingspan there was a mass on the back but i couldn't make out what shape it was in as it happened faster than the first one i ran to the next window after it was out of my eyesight to get a better look, but it was gone. No noise, nothing. The strangest thing about all of it was that my boyfriend and I saw different colors on the second one. Although we saw the exact same thing at the exact same time, I saw four red lights and he saw four yellow. I trust without a doubt that he knows what he just what he saw just as he trusts me. There's no explanation as to why we would see two separate things while staring at the same thing. Finally, today... At 5.30 p.m., right as the sun was starting to set, we saw out the back kitchen window some sort of smoothie, smoothly gliding mass. It wasn't round. It wasn't oblong. It wasn't cylindrical. I couldn't put my finger on how to explain it. All I really took away from it was that it had purpose. It looked like it was on a mission. It just wasn't floating along, smacking into the limbs. It dodged them and landed on the ground. By the time I got on my shoes and ran into the woods, it was gone. All in all, what I saw was undeniable. I couldn't write it off as something else because it wasn't far away. It was close enough to throw rocks at. I'm not crazy. I'm not on drugs. I wasn't under the influence of anything. And... What she um, kept saying afterwards was constant. It was all the time. It was, you're insignificant. I would ask her, are you coming over for dinner tonight? She'd go, yeah. I'd say, well, what do you want to eat? She'd go, doesn't really matter. It's insignificant. And I'd be like, oh, come on. She'd laugh and go, I'm serious, mom. There's nothing matters anymore. Nothing is what we think it is. Nothing. And for people that doubt her, she says um, her exact quote, Um, You can be a believer. Oh, you don't believe? Ask me how to. Call 1-800-YOU-DIDN'T-SEE-WHAT-I-SAW. Her boyfriend never believed in any of that, ever. He's from North Carolina. He's very 
very down home, very, you know, and um, he said, he doesn't need to see nothing else. He, I don't need to see anything else to know to know that things are not what we have been told. Um, she said it changed her outlook on everything. I felt insignificant and yet so pri- privileged. And I know she felt privileged. I would have loved to have seen that. Whatever it was that she saw, whatever it was she saw was powerful. It changed my child. It changed my child completely. She did not sleep solid for almost two months. Just sleep did not happen for her. She was a little scared. She was confused. Anybody would be. But uh, she's one of the sanest people I know. She's the grounded one. She keeps me in check. So um, that's her story. And around that same time, I did a little research online. Uh, They have like websites and different things where you can check reports that were made in your area or in other areas and quite a few reports were made within the about 15 to 20 days around that time frame give or take for this area um right through the Edgecombe County Nash County Wilson County area um there were a string of events publicly viewed in I think it was Arizona right around the same time I mean like police officers and lawyers and I mean people with stature in the community witnessed it and were like you know I know what I saw and of course no one doubts them but uh yeah so um I believe my daughter and not because she's my kid but because I know her so there's her story and um she says we're insignificant hello My name is Larry Gessner, and when I was approximately 15 years old, this would be somewhere around 1968, somewhere in there, I had a UFO sighting. This was something that changed my life. My friend and I, we lived in uh, upstate New York. I say upstate New York, probably about 50 miles north of uh, New York City, in a town called Monroe, New York. My friend and I uh, lived next to each other, and we liked to fish. And we were always curious to see if catfish would uh, bite uh, from uh, if we went out in a boat on the lake. We had a lake right next door to us. It was uh, called Orange and Rockland Lake. Very small lake, uh, but had stocked well with fish and people always used to fish it. But we had this idea that we would go out at night in a rowboat and go catfishing. And so we go and we get in the boat and uh, row out to, oh, I don't know, somewhere uh, probably about 50, 60 feet offshore, maybe a little bit more than that. And we're just sitting there. It's a clear night. Stars are out. Uh, you know, we're fishing. We're not really getting anything. So we're just basically talking to each other and looking up at the stars. And as I'm looking to the, I want to say the northeast, I spot something. Something catches my eye. And what it appears to be is a meteor at first. But then I realize that it's traveling in an upwards direction. And everything that I knew 
told me that meteors, you know, fall down or parallel or at a uh, right angle coming downward from the sky. So this was kind of puzzling to me. And so I mentioned it to my friend. My friend's name was Wayne. And I said, Wayne, what is that? This, that's not a meteor. And we started to look at it. And we watched it traveling in an upward direction. Uh, coming from the northeast and what was puzzling about this was that when you looked at it it looked like a star traveling at a lower altitude and it just kept coming and coming and then all of a sudden something dawned on me that I was looking at I don't know how to express it it was just it the, the light was moving at a, you know, it dawned on me that this thing, whatever it was, was traveling at a higher rate of speed and that what we were looking at was it was at a higher altitude and it was traveling upward and it was giving us the impression that it was traveling upward, but what it was doing in actuality was it was following the curvature of the earth and it's very hard to express this and your mind just sort of is boggled by this at first but then what happens is we're following the star now Wayne and I are both locked on this and all of a sudden it gets to about an 11 o'clock position in the sky stops dead on a dime now now we're freaked out because this is something we've never seen before in our entire lives. I've never seen anything like this. And I'm trying to figure out what, what's going on? And as we stand, you know, we were in the boat looking at this and trying to figure out how this is even possible. You know, there's no aircraft that we know that can do something like this. And I mean, this is just a solid white light like a, like a star. And we were focused on it and what seemed to be Oh, uh, minutes, but it was probably, uh, you know, 30 seconds maybe, maybe a little bit more, but it seemed like it was just, we were just, you know, mesmerized by this thing. We look at it and all of a sudden, this thing changes direction and shoots across the sky going south at an unbelievable pace. I mean, this thing just shot across the sky faster than anything I'd ever seen before in my entire life, and it completely went all the way to the horizon. I mean, we could see uh, see it for as long as we could, and it was, I mean, it covered a vast distance, but it was gone. It was just gone. And that was the first time that reality hit me, and I realized that we are not alone in the universe. And at that point, you know, in 1968, we're just, we're basically, we just landed on the moon, you know? And uh, we, we had no idea what this was. All we knew was it moved really fast. And it had some extraordinary capabilities to be able to stop on a dime like that. So when we, you know, sat there and talked to each other, it was just like we were just so amazed. And we couldn't wait to tell anybody. I mean, it was like the next day in school. Uh, you know, I'm like a freshman in high school. And 
we're, we're trying to express everybody we saw a UFO and everybody's laughing at us. Oh yeah, sure. What are you guys smoking? You know, and it was just, it was so profound that, you know, I realized that the possibility that we're not, we're not alone in the universe is very real. And so that changed my whole perspective on this. And so at that point, I started delving into uh, UFO uh, research to see what other kind of things had happened. You know, I started to learn about, uh, you know, all the different, every book that I could possibly pick up, I picked up and read all these countless, you know, stories, encounters, things like that. Uh, and it, it just amazed me. I, I realized that, you know, I was the only one, both, you know, I had a witness with me. We both saw this. We knew we weren't crazy. And so, you know, that was one of the things that, that started this whole thing for me. And so that was the first encounter that I had, you know, had a witness with me, uh, studied UFOs for ever. I mean, I never lost my interest in it. I was always, you know, we need to know, somebody needs to know about this. You know, we got to get this out in the open. So after years and years and years, you know, uh, being ridiculed and not being, you know, taken seriously on this, I basically had put it on the back burners, you know, realizing, okay, I've been fortunate enough to be witness to this. The, the, the world is probably not ready for this. What, what is it, you know, who, who is this? What are they doing? And are they just observing us or, or is, is there contact being made? This is the first, the first thing that happened to me. And I'm going to say it back in 1968. It wasn't until 2003 when uh, my wife and I had the second encounter that uh, I got a really good look at a ship. And that uh, reinforced my belief that we were not alone. This thing shot out of the sky, uh, came down like a shooting star, stopped dead, uh, lights came on, uh, it moved towards us, my wife and I saw it, uh, it was about 800 feet, somewhere 800,000 feet maybe from us in the air, and this thing was at least, we estimated after, you know, thinking about it, that it was probably somewhere in the vicinity of, uh, of a diamond-shaped craft that was a uh, hundred feet, uh, or not a hundred feet, two hundred feet tall, and maybe a hundred feet across. Uh, and it, it had it had red and white and green lights on it. And it also, when it had windows and they were backlit from the inside, and when we, you know, I, I was staring at the windows saying, okay, am I going to see a silhouette of a, an individual, a person, uh, alien, what am I going to see? And the one thing that I did notice was a structural support, much like you would see on a large aircraft, a beam that has holes cut into it to uh, reduce the weight. Uh, and I also recounted when, uh, when, uh, I had to relive that episode again for the series identified. And Lou was with me, 
when we went back to the site to recount the event, the thing that popped out or, or you know popped into my head all of a sudden was I remember looking at the windows. The, there was like two rows of windows, and I remembered looking at the uh, indentation in the craft to indicate that the walls were thick. Uh, and that was something that, that uh, just, you know, uh, you hear this all the time from uh, law enforcement uh, uh, people who have the victims recount the, the event and they remember something else that happened. It's details that, that, that the mind hides at first. In 2005, I had my third UFO encounter or phenomenon that I have no explanation for. It was about 6.30 in the morning. My son was living with me and we lived in McCluskey, North Dakota, where I still live, just a different house now. Where we, where we lived, he had uh, taken a job with a contractor and the contractor was coming to pick him up. His boss was coming to pick him up at about, oh, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, something like that. And he wanted to go outside and have a cigarette before his boss came. And it was warm out, probably in June, I think July, somewhere in there. And I said, okay, I'll go out and have a cup of coffee with you while you're having your cigarette. So we went out and stood in the driveway. And I'm facing to the west. He's facing to the east and talking to me and while we're standing there I looked to the west and saw what I thought was a, a headlight from a tractor out in the field. There were fields uh, to the north across the highway. Highway 200 runs east and west and I'm facing west and off to the west in the distance uh, there are fields out there and what I thought at first was a, a light from a tractor uh, and then it dawned on me that th there would be really no reason for them to be out at 6.30 in the morning doing something and that, that kind of you know puzzled me but I figured okay maybe they're out there doing something. So I'm standing there talking to my son and as the light uh, is moving towards us uh, it's starting to get larger and when it comes into uh, sight that I can actually see what's going on I realize that it's a luminous ball of light uh, approximately 10-15 foot in diameter and approximately somewhere between 10 and 20 feet off the ground and it's just moving to the east cruising along like there's nothing nothing to it. No sound whatsoever. Uh, this thing is just cruising along. And the best way I can describe the, the um, vision of it is it's almost as if the moon were on a full, uh, you know, a full moon lit down 10-15 feet off the, uh, the ground moving across the the, the sky here. Uh, it was the kind of thing that you look at you can't make any sense out of it because you don't know what it is. Uh, it had the intensity of a moon uh, but yet no sound, 
this thing is just cruising along, hovering, you know, above the ground, not making a sound. Uh, and when you see something like this, your mind just goes berserk because you're you're paralyzed. Your your mind is focused on trying to uh, make sense out of it. All your senses, everything is focused on this to see if you can determine what it is. And, and you know, based on your perception of life, everything that you've ever seen before, this is something that doesn't follow the rules of physics or anything that you know. So your mind is just preoccupied with trying to figure it out. You know, I've been asked this many times, you know, why didn't you just jump in the squad car, because I was sheriff at the time, why didn't you just jump in a squad car and, and chase it? And the best thing I can say is, you're, you're dumbfounded, you're paralyzed. Uh, you, your, your, your mind is not thinking about going to chase it, you're trying to figure out what it is. You're just in awe. So we watched as this thing came closer and closer, and finally, you know, uh, as we're, we both faced it, I, I made mention of it right away. As soon as I realized it was a ball of light, I told my son, look at this. You know, and he turned around, and he and I both witnessed this travel right across from us, maybe, oh, it, uh, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 30 miles an hour, I guess, if it, if it was even going that fast. Uh, and it, we watched it go right across the field and keep on going to the east. And like I say, you know, to this day, I have no explanation as to why I did not just jump in the squad car and chase after it. I can't. I don't have an explanation. It just, I was so dumbfounded looking at this thing and so amazed trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> and like I say, it was the intensity or the light that you would see if you were looking at the moon it was opaque it was white it wasn't clear it wasn't uh, bright like the sun or it wasn't uh, anything like that it was a pale white luminous you know uh, object so that was my third encounter and uh, once again a witness with me and I have no idea what it was. Uh, you know, there had been uh, stories of uh, uh, what they call it, ball lightning, I think it is. And I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Uh, if it was ball lightning, I can't imagine something being 10, 15 foot in diameter, cruising along in a direct line not wavering up and down. It was on a solid path. Uh, it, was, it was almost as if it was being intelligently controlled uh, to maintain that altitude or that height off the ground and the speed that it was, it was a constant speed. Now, I have never seen ball lightning before, so I do not think that anything based on the accounts that I have read about uh, believe that this was ball lightning by any stretch of the imagination. This had to be some sort of orb, uh, if you want to call it an orb of some sort, uh, it being intelligently controlled, moving along, um, at, you know, at a, at a fair pace. So that is my third encounter. And just like all the other two that we've had, 
it it just mystifies me. It, it boggles my mind as that what could possibly you know this was a controlled energy of some sort. Uh, so that would be my end of that account or encounter. You asked me to describe how I feel. The main word is frustrated, laughed at, ridiculed, not taken seriously. I have had three encounters with another witness at each of these encounters. So these are three separate encounters with three different witnesses together. I mean, there's, I, I'm not with somebody each time. I mean, I'm with somebody each time, but it's a different person each time, different time spans, you know, years apart. When you have this happen to you, you realize that something's wrong. We are not being told the truth. And it's maybe for our own good. I don't know. I really don't know. I joined MUFON because I wanted to become a UFO investigator. That didn't do anything. Maybe the experience, the the um, exposure, because of that, uh, you know, I, I thought things were going to develop totally different. I thought that you know there would be camera crews. I thought that there would be reporters. I thought that this would become a main main event, but it never did. I mean, not until lately. You published my story or my event, my encounter, in your book. That helped a lot. I was briefly featured in the TV show Unidentified. I thought that was going to cause my phone to be ringing off the hook with interviews, and I don't know what happened. Uh, nobody has contacted me. So and it makes me wonder why. All these things to expose the truth. And 50 years later, from my, my first encounter, and where are we? Just now beginning to see the partial disclosure happening. The best and brightest minds that mankind has to offer have most assuredly been assigned to this phenomenon at the top, highest level. Uh, we will never probably know the story until everything is, is brought out in the open. I have to ask myself, why keep this a secret? The human race is not prepared to handle the technology. That is one of the reasons that I can say, you know, would we destroy ourselves with this? But I think about all the positive things that could happen. Anti-gravity, propulsion, faster travel to and from around the planet, the uh, not having to rely on fossil fuels anymore to provide fuel for the daily vehicles that we need, the free energy that could be given to hospitals, that could be given to agencies. If they didn't have to pay for these things, then that cost could be removed from the end product. Uh, everybody would benefit. That's just my opinion on that. We have been at this for, what, 70 years plus, 
And how can we, as the human species, evolve to the point of not only disclosure, but implementation of this technology, and it could change life to the better for all mankind. But yet, it's being suppressed. What can we do as the human race to move forward and not be held back? These questions are ones that I ponder every single day of my life. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to know that the solution to a lot of the world's problems is right at our very fingertips. And yet, we're not using it. Or we're not being allowed to use it. I should say that. So that's how I feel. I'm pretty frustrated. I hope that before my time is up on this planet as a human being, uh, that all of this comes to light in a manner that makes sense to everyone and that everyone benefits from it. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit EntertainmentOnePodcast.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.